Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 289. We've got a really good show lined up for you this week. We've got our warm-up segment where we're going to talk about our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week. have a very exciting Did You Know, another fun listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off segment, we're going to talk about development of young players. Uh, We're trying to make sure that we're talking about the the entry-level kids a little bit more, and we got a really good topic that I think is important for all of our listeners in in that area. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about the idea of a player playing on more than one travel team and the idea of whether that's even doable and if it is, if it's a good idea. And then our action coach coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about the idea of the, the statement that we hear all the time of trust the process and what that should mean and unfortunately how it's being interpreted in the real world by way too many people. So before we get into those, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. Anderson's bats, gloves, all their equipment is top shelf. It's a great way for you to save that additional 20% and also support the podcast at the same time. Also, if you want to support the podcast, become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. It's talking about $5, $10, or $20 a month. Coach Don and I really do appreciate the support we've had from our long-term patrons. We've got a bunch of people that have been with us for a long time, and we've added a bunch of people here in the last year or so. We'd like to continue that trend and add some more. Again, we're talking about a relatively small monthly contribution. And if a bunch of people contribute a little bit, then we end up in a pretty good position where the podcast actually breaks even. We're not quite there. We are so close I can taste it, but at least the number that we're in the red right now is small enough that it isn't going to ruin my retirement before I die. And Tori, those things, that just gives us an opportunity to pay postage, to send player of the week t-shirts out and to do some of those type of things each month. Yeah, there, there's a lot of costs that go on in, in trying to do the stuff that we're doing. And, and obviously, we're trying to do a good job for all of our listeners. And so if, if some of you can help support us, that's a great thing. So, Don, our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bittinger & Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Mass. If you're in that part of the country and you have any dental needs at all, make sure you reach out to the folks at Bittinger & Styles. They are going to do great by you. They're very strong supporters of this podcast. We really do appreciate them. So, Don, our city of the week this week is Chicago, Illinois. That's a pretty big place for us, Tori. I know uh, they're surely playing tons of softball and doing a lot of neat things for the kids. Uh, Well, I've spent many, many an hour, many, many a game in the greater Chicago area. When I was coaching at UW Parkside, I recruited the Chicago area a lot. I got to know a lot of the people there. You know, back you know, in the 90s, you know, that was a hotbed for travel ball. It was one of the parts of the country where travel ball was really blowing up, even before some other parts of the country even had figured it out very well. It was producing a lot of really talented players in a time when 
there weren't as nearly as many opportunities for players in that part of the country. And back in the 90s, a lot of the Big Ten schools didn't even have softball yet. Right. And so it was a very fertile recruiting area for me, you know, being uh, at UW Parkside right there in Kenosha, just over the state line. You know, it was not very far for me to go to the Chicago area to recruit. And obviously a place where they've been playing great softball for a very long time. You've got a couple of you know, really good college programs right there in the Chicago area with Northwestern and Loyola, a bunch of other places that are, are playing really high-level softball. And uh, you know, so for me, it's a place that I have a lot of fond memories of, except for one thing. And this is one of those, sometimes you have to just shake your head and wonder, what the hell were you thinking things? So when I lived in Wisconsin, I spent plenty of time trying to get through Chicago and Chicago traffic. Okay. And I thought Chicago traffic was the worst thing you could possibly imagine. The endless time, it felt like you were sitting there you know, trying to get through town. And when I was coaching at UW Parkside, a lot of the places we went to, we had to go through Chicago to get there. Sure. There was just no, you know, not, no, way, no around way around it. it. Or, or you could detour like over to Rockford or something like that, but then you're talking like an, you know, adding hours to your potential trip. Well, who's the idiot that went from having to deal with Chicago traffic all the time, which was crazy, who now lives in Atlanta having to deal with Atlanta traffic Oh, it traffic can't all be time. worse here, can it? Uh, yeah. It could be. It, it is. Um, <laughs> it, it's crazy to me. But, but we have so many little side roads we could work Right. Through, yeah. And now with uh, GPS and waves and all that stuff, guess what happens when there's a wreck on, on I-75? It tells everybody to go to Highway 41. So then what happens on 41? Yeah, so then it tells Same you to go thing. to highway whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, the traffic that interstate couldn't handle is now spread out through, you know, six different country roads, which can't handle it either. But I love Chicago. I love going back there to visit. Obviously, a big rivalry, you know, me growing up in Wisconsin, being a Packer fan, you know, obviously the, the Chicago-Milwaukee rivalry has always been something that's kind of fun to, to watch, and uh, of course, the Bears and the Packers. Be a part of, yeah. yeah. Again, a great city. It's got a lot of great softball, a lot of great college softball, and uh, someplace that uh, we're really excited to see. You know, the numbers in Chicago have been really good for a really long time. We're always at the top of the chart for the places where we have high listenership. You know, every once in a while to see the numbers bump up again in an area that's already at the top of the pyramid. Please keep it going. Is something that's really exciting to us. So make sure you find people in your world that are fast pitch fans that are not listening yet. Turn them onto the podcast. Get them hooked up with everything fast pitch and coach prep. We want to see the numbers continuing to grow. Congratulations, Chicago. You're the city of the week. Our player of the week this week, Don, is Ella Schmidt. She's uh, out of a place where the uh, Kettle Moraine Chargers, a 14 and under team out of Jackson, Wisconsin. Her coach wanted us to recognize her. She's a real cornerstone player for the team. Uh, behind the plate is the catcher. Really hardworking defensive player. You know, somebody that takes that catching position and, and just runs with it, Take works charge. really hard. Yeah. You know, we've talked about catching and why it's so crucial and why it's you know such an important position plenty of times on the podcast and to see a player kind of living breathing dreaming the ideals that we talk about making it happen is something that's really cool she also hit her first over the fence home run and has just been you know kind of taking that next step forward as a player you know it's always exciting to us to see a player having those kinds of uh, you know big accomplishments but i think that the vast majority of players that we recognize are being recognized because they're hardworking, dedicated, passionate kids that are doing a lot of good stuff on the softball field, but doing a lot of good stuff in other places too. And so we want to continue to recognize those kinds of players. If you have a player in your life that you would like to nominate, it's really a simple process. You send us an email at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And then Coach Don and I talk it over. 
Um, we want to keep the nominations coming in because it's uh, really disappointing when we hit those weeks where we don't get uh, any nominations. We have to have a, a dead week. So we want to make sure that uh, you send us those nominations because all of you know a player that's worthy of recognition. We want to make sure that we recognize as many as we can. And one of the highlights for me is getting the picture back of one of the players that's got the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week on, a t-shirt on and how excited they are and how happy everybody is around them. You know, when we do a Facebook post with a player's nomination and, and recognition, you know, to see dozens of people liking and sharing and, and you know, all that kind of stuff, it's really exciting to, to know that people are paying attention. Let's keep sharing that uh, hard work all these kids are putting in. Right. So congratulations, yeah. Ella Schmidt. Job, You're Ella. the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. So our equipment tip of the week down, let's talk about the Square Cuts training disc. Tori, as always, we've been using the discs here at uh, the batting cages, and um, each week we'll find somebody new that comes in, and when they get a chance to use them, it's kind of like that aha moment. They hit with them, and uh, they're excited both that it's something new that they hadn't seen before, and then also, too, it's a little bit of a challenge for them to, to hit it properly. And when they do, they get pretty excited that they've got something new to work with. Need to get a set for everybody. Yeah, so you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. They're $49.95 a dozen. Something Coach Don and I developed as a training tool for hitting. Our customers are way smarter than us. So they figured out how to use them for pitching, for throwing, for defense, for bad hops, for bunting, for you know all kinds of different things. It's, it's something that we're really proud of. Um, the only advertising we do is here on the podcast. And so we ask all of you that, that have some experience with them to spread the word and let people know about them to give them a try. And like I said, it's a very affordable training tool. And if you go to the YouTube channel on our fastpitchprep.com website, we've got a couple of short videos that explain kind of how they're designed and what they're meant to tell us. And it, to me, it's just a no brainer because it's the kind of thing that a player can use on their own and still get feedback. That's going to be helpful and useful. Um, it's not something that they need to have a coach or a parent standing over their shoulder watching every swing, telling them corrections. The disc is going to tell you what corrections you need to make, and that, to me, is the, the beauty of the Square Cuts training disc. So, Don, did you know we have a brand-new professional fast-pitch team? The Chattanooga Steam is starting operations. They're going to be playing a professional schedule. You know, some people that we know very well in the Chattanooga area are involved with getting the team started, and I'm sure that uh, they are going to follow the trend that we've been discussing of a whole lot of local players that have had a lot of college success so that they've already got that built-in fan base and that built-in support system. Well, Tori, we both know that that area has provided tons of really strong softball players. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you said, if we've got some collegiate players that are uh, just finishing up playing that might be a part of that program, that's very exciting because that's getting closer to home to us. Right. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, so it'll be an exciting thing to see how this all develops. They have not announced much about the schedules and things like that yet, but I'm sure that they're going to be doing quite a bit in the Chattanooga area, obviously with Frost Stadium at, at Warner Park. They've got a beautiful venue that they could host um, a lot of really important uh, series and games. I'm just excited to see another professional opportunity, especially in our part of the country. I keep hoping that somebody's going to spring up with a team or one of those summer leagues in the Atlanta area, because I think we'd have a lot of support here as well. But I'm sure that we're going to see some of our Atlanta area kids playing on this Chattanooga team. And a lot of the Chattanooga area, Tennessee kids, I'm sure will be playing. You know, when you look at the success that they've had with the UTC program, and obviously you've got Tennessee and, and you know, a bunch of other schools really close by that are 
going to have players that were certainly interested and love to play professionally. So we want to support it, get out and help you know, beat the drum to get people out to the, see the games and uh, you know, to look for the information when it's you know, out there. It's going to be all over social media, I'm sure. But support the Chattanooga Steam. I think it's going to be a really cool thing. You know, Tori, the, uh, the College World Series is such a neat draw because the number of high-level, talented players are all there in one place. Wouldn't it be neat for a, a professional tournament to happen at some point? And right. All those teams all in one area, like you said, at Frost Stadium there, or down in Columbus, you know, where they had the Olympics, that type of thing. But that might be really an exciting draw if somebody could pull that together. Yeah, well, I think that uh, as these different groups get going and get organized, that it's going to open the door for a lot of opportunities. And to me, I think that's the biggest thing. And the idea, you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times of, you know, a professional team that is regionally represented so that people are naturally drawn to want to support them, I think is a great place to start. And I'm just going to be excited to see the roster. They've got, uh, you know, Tennessee people that are going to be coaching and uh, general manager and, and different things that uh, have been around the game for a long time. You know, Marty McDaniel is going to be involved. Donald Pickett, former college coaches, Chattanooga area guys that really know the game well. Um, and so I think it's going to be very exciting to see. So support the Chattanooga Steam, our newest professional softball team. So our listener question this week, Don, comes to us from Jason. And Jason sent me an email and basically uh, wanted to talk about something that he experienced. His daughter played on a team, a college team, that had their star pitcher transfer at the end of the fall semester. Out. And, you know, we've talked about that a bunch in the past, you know, the transfer portal has created a lot of different opportunities and, and, uh, and chances for kids to do some th- different things. But he wanted our opinion because basically what happened in their situation is they came off their fall season being pretty confident heading into the spring season, pretty sure that their team was going to be very competitive, you know, had a chance to you know, win their conference and, and potentially, you know, get to the NCAA tournament. You know, they're not a, uh, the kind of program that's a lock to get there every sure year. Thing. Yeah. And then you find out on December 5th or December 7th or whatever it was that their star pitcher, the girl that they were counting on, had decided to transfer someplace else and was eligible to play in the spring, ended up playing against her in the spring season while they were scrambling around with a team that now clearly did not have the same level of pitching talent. And in a lot of cases, it sounds like not even enough pitching talent to really manage getting through the season very well. So thoughts. Oh gosh, Tori, this is the whole kind of wraps it up into a a real life scenario. And portal thing, I think has a, a place in the softball world, but I'm not sure that it's exactly set up the way that it needs to be, to be equitable for everybody. And I think there needs to be an opportunity for kids to be able to move like that. How can you make it fair for yeah, the group the, that loses the the pitcher? Yeah, the, the mid-year transfer thing, I think, is the one area that they've really dropped the ball. I, I still think there should be, you know, once you've completed the spring season and the school you're leaving has the whole summer to try to patch together the team, you know, to work on... To go back into the portal. Right, or, or, or find yeah. a, a high school kid or whatever it might be. To me... That's one thing, but the dropping the bomb on your old program, you know, at Christmas time or December first or whenever it is, and then expecting them in a month during a weird time of the year when there aren't a lot of players or solutions out there to then be able to fill that void to me is really unrealistic. And so I think that we needed it to be easier for players to move 
but we've made it too easy and we haven't really addressed all the possibilities. Because the reality of it is, every time player A does something because it's really good for her to make the change, it leaves uh, collateral damage on other players, you know, teammates, whatever, the other program that they're leaving. There's going to be collateral damage. People are going to be hurt by it. I get the, you know, players should get to go where they want to go. You know, coaches can, you know, can quit and, and go get a new job whenever they want to kind of thing. But unfortunately, you know, the whole idea of a team sport where we're supposed to be able to count on each other is kind of getting lost in this discussion a little bit to my my way of thinking. Tori, we at Kennesaw, we worked hard to get really good players to come to school and to, you know, be a part of what we were doing. And we had a number of All-Americans and stuff like that that would have been various candidates to be pulled away and for it to be the NIL and all that other stuff now, I'm just horrified as to how that would have gone yeah. so differently, you know, and I feel terrible for the kids, just like you said, the go and join a school. You're not a pitcher. You go and join a school, but it, I mean, it, it could have happened to the home run leader right. or whatever well, but as the, well, but in, in but this situation the is, yeah. yeah. We talked about it last week about the rec level team. When you don't have pitching, you don't even get to play softball. Right. Well, the same is true at the college level. If you know, the only good news is that you could probably find somebody that has pitched enough that they can at least throw a strike. But well, uh, hopefully, uh, we have two or three kids at least. But still, yeah, that's not fair to the group. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the the idea that players can leave in December and play someplace and, else and in play January against, and play against and you and play in against January. you in January is is something that I'm still not going to be able to comprehend. I can't wrap my brain around um, that, yeah. But I do th- I do agree with uh, Jason that that's something that I think needs to be adjusted in the rule, that you can still transfer in December, but you can't play that spring. That, that would make more sense, And then right? I think, you know, some it players... It cost be, something. Right, some players would be more likely to stick it out and stay for the spring semester and then transfer at the end of the year. And if you want to transfer at the end of the year... And if I, a school wants to pay somebody to come and sit for a year, right? that's a whole, that's a little bit less interesting for them. Right. And, and you'd have, because right now what's happening, and I think what happened in this situation is a school a little higher up the food chain than uh, Jason's daughter's school, a little more school, resources, a little bit more money, a little bit bigger reputation, had an injury, had an illness, had something that they needed a pitcher. And yep. they were in a position where they could look at mid-major star, you know, girl who the is, next best one is is a really has proven she's a capable college pitcher has probably pitched against us in the past so we know she's pretty good if we can figure out a way to negotiate our way in there to to convince that player to leave so there's just way too much motivation you know I think now for that program that feels like they need to upgrade to go poach a player away from somebody else uh, Jason, I agree. I think in those in those situations, it's bad for any player to be leaving at the semester. But it's heartbreaking when you see these, the girl that you're counting on being your number one pitcher walking out the door. And I do think that that player should have to wait. They can play wait next fall, yeah. but uh, they can't play right away in the spring season. If you have questions, ideas, comments, suggestions, make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com, either one. Those email addresses will work, and uh, we're always looking for ideas. We want to make sure that we're talking about stuff that you're interested in. And uh, Jason, your uh, Fast Pitch Prep t-shirt's on its way to you right now. Awesome. All right, so Don, that'll take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here, and this one's going to be really good. I mean, I feel like I might say that all the time, but really, this one is so good. And I just wanted to ask you guys, like, 
do you feel like your daughter, your athlete is struggling mentally in the recruiting process? Because if that's a yes, if you feel like maybe she's comparing herself to all the other athletes, putting a lot of pressure on herself, feeling overwhelmed with all of it, maybe feeling like she has to prove herself constantly. Like I feel for her. I remember clearly how stressful this process was to attain the biggest goals and dreams that I had set out for myself. I feel for you as a parent, so hard watching your daughter struggle with something that is actually supposed to be fun and fulfilling. And I want to share this message that I received from one of my athletes um, just recently. I'm going to share that right now. I'm going to read it off for you. Maybe you saw this. I, I posted it not too long ago, but she said, hi, Paige, I'm getting closer to de- a decision on where I plan on committing to, but this is my most recent brained up on what's going on lately. Side note, I have my girls. I encourage them to, if they have a lot of thoughts or are feeling overwhelmed, to brain dump what's on their mind, get it out of their head and onto paper because that's a really helpful process. Anyway, back to the message. She says, Honestly, my whole career, I felt like I've had to prove something to those around me. So I've poured my soul into this sport so one day I could prove that I've made it. So lately, I've been playing the comparison game a lot, seeing where all of these girls are going, who they're getting visits and offers from, and who they're going to play for. It's not a fun game, and it's no way healthy, but I can't help myself sometimes. And there are some girls that I'm genuinely happy for too. I don't know if it's just self-sabotage, but I have these little what-if monsters in my head, which is where the closure piece comes from. So few people get to play collegiate softball at the Division I level, and fewer get full rides, and even less get to play in a Power 5 conference. So instead of focusing on what others think about my decision, I need to realize that they should be jealous of me for finding a place that wants me for me, that fits me so well and is exactly what I'm looking for in a school. Message over. (laughs) This message, this is why working on mindset is one of the most important things an athlete can do. Because you guys can see and hear that this athlete was able to go from a lot of overwhelm and stress and negative thinking, worrying and comparing to shifting the way she thinks about the situation in herself. How amazing is that? That is my purpose. Like that's where I can help your daughter. I can help your daughter get there too. So if this feels like something that your daughter needs in her life, I'm here for you. Send me a message, reach out to me. You can do that via email. My email is page at pagetons.com send me a message. Let's chat. I would love to learn more about your daughter, what she's struggling with, how I can help and support and guide you guys in the right direction when it comes to the mindset part of the game. Have an amazing rest of your day. And I hope to hear from lots of you. Paige is a rock star, folks. Supporter programs. We keep talking about how important confidence is. There's nobody better, in my opinion, to help your players be more confident and have more faith in their abilities. And Paige, it's pagetons.com, T-O-N-Z. So now that's going to take us to our leadoff topic, sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at EliteSportsOrders at Yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, the whole nine yards, they're happy to ship anywhere in the country. 
folks at Elite have been doing it for a long time. They're good at it, and they'll ha- be happy to help you out. So we spent a little bit of time last week talking about Rec League and some challenges with Rec League. Here's another Rec League-ish type decision, but it's not necessarily just Rec League. It can be in the travel ball world, too, is the idea of development of players and how we have to understand and we have to make an investment in in, in developing players because what I'm seeing so often now is that kid that when they were that 10 and under player, they were a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more developed, that were rock stars, aren't necessarily the best players on the team when they're 16 or 18. And an awful lot of the kids that when they get to be 16 and 18 are the best players on the team, and they were sort of the not very good-ish type kids when they were a lot younger. Could have been overlooked a little bit. Right. Yeah, like like you say, sometimes those kids are the ones that we should be spending more time right. with, right? Well, here's here's something that, that, this is my opinion, and people can argue with me all they want, but here's something that I think has happened a lot over the years. Once upon a time, wherever we were coaching, even at the college level, it was all about developing players. Now, I would recruit players all the time that were really athletic, that weren't very skilled, that had different kinds of backgrounds that looked like they could become really good players. You know, for every kid that was an established travel ball superstar that I recruited, I would recruit one or two kids that played on some little team that nobody heard of that were, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, maybe a little bit underdeveloped kinds of players. And we did everything we could to help those players improve because to me, that was the the key ingredient for yep. us building a successful program. Yeah. Well, now we've gotten into a point where the vast majority of coaches that I see expect players to already be a finished product. And even at the youngest ages, you know, we're we're holding tryouts looking for, you know, the the polished apple, not the, you know, the little sapling, not the little the, the little, little seedling. More the manager type. Right. And it's much more of I can put together a really talented team and they can win versus I'm going to put together a team and teach them and coach them and work with them and develop them. The idea that development is becoming less and less important, or we're counting on, maybe it's still important. To happen somewhere else. We're counting on somebody else to do it. We're counting on the kids to train on their own. We're counting on the kids to take lessons on their own. We're counting on parents to invest the time and effort to take their their kids to camps and and clinics and, and training and mental game and all that stuff on their own. So that when they come to tryouts and when we choose them for our team, they're already the quote unquote finished product. And to me, we're missing so much in this approach. And honestly, the whole reason why I ever wanted to coach. I mean, I, I don't I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I loved, you know, getting lucky enough to recruit a great player sure. and be able to plug her in and she was a great player and, and then we could add to what her greatness already was. But the real satisfaction for me was the kid that hardly played as a freshman that worked really hard played a little bit more as a sophomore, earned a starting spot, played a lot more, got a lot better. All of a sudden, as a senior, they're an all-conference player. They're you know one of the best players on the team. They're the reason why we're winning. And to me, I don't understand how we can call ourselves coaches if we're not investing in doing that kind of stuff. And Tori, like you say, too, the joy of being a part of that whole process and being a part of that experience is just irreplaceable. Right. I mean, it's it's part of the magic it's part of the fun it's it should be part of the whole the whole deal otherwise it's it would have felt just handed to you right yeah well and to me the happiest memories i have in coaching all revolve around the player that 
had to overcome, had to work really hard, wasn't the finished product, much more so than the great player. You know, the Wendy Wolf is a perfect example of somebody who ended up being a great college player. But because of a weird set of circumstances, I was on a nine-year journey with her where she went from being a raw, athletic high school freshman that was a catcher to being a Division II All-American pitcher. Right. And, you know, some of my greatest memories and fondest memories of my entire life in coaching were all of a sudden Wendy, she went from throwing it really hard, but having no idea where it was going, you know, having the uh, nuke Lelouch first inning where, you know, she struck out three, walked 13, threw 13 wild pitches, you know, hit the school bus parked in the parking lot kind of thing. And all of a sudden she's finishing an inning. Then she's finishing a game. Then she's throwing a no hitter. Then she's winning a really big game. Then she's getting recruited. Then she's a college player. Then she's a college success story. To me, it's that process and those steps that are the most gratifying thing. Now, when I was coaching Wendy, she helped us win a bunch of really big games and, you know, play for the national championship and a lot of fun stuff happened during her career. But I remember more the first time she got a strikeout in a game as a high school sophomore than I do, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened when she was playing at Parkside. Right. So, you know, to me, valuing development and making up our mind from a coach's perspective now, and, and I see the, you know, this time of year, because, you know, we're in the finishing up the tryouts. So now here in Georgia, we'll be going into the fall season, which means, you know, we'll play a couple, two or three or four tournaments. And then half the teams will be looking for more players because some of the players they thought were developed really aren't as good as they thought they were. So they'll try to get rid of those players that aren't that good and get better players. And where I'm struggling with this is what happened to the idea of I'm going to keep the player I have and I'm going to make her better. Make them better. Yeah. So, and again, because the difference, especially at the younger ages, the first young team that I helped John with, when I started with them, they were 10 and under. Well, now they're all sophomores and juniors in high school. And, you know, a couple of the kids that were the absolute stars of the team at 10 and under are pretty good players. Sure. But they're not superstars. And a couple of the kids that were like, why is she playing softball when they were 10? But they were hungry for uh, it. Yeah, are great players. Now, great high school players and going to get recruited and going to have you know great college careers. Now, some of them are still developing and need to continue to develop. But to me, that's the thing that you know, we, we want to start to invest more in. And we need to start to change our attitude about it from a coach's perspective. And honestly, from a parent and player perspective, too. Start looking for a team where they're going to help you continue to improve. Start looking for a team with coaches that know how to train and run practices and put together a plan of attack for a player to go from point A on September 1st to why they're going to be better on December 1st and why they're going to be better on June 1st. And to trust that those people know what they're doing and you know they've proven that they can do that and invest more of our time in those kinds of teams and coaches Versus the, well, they win every tournament. Well, they win every tournament because they recruit the best pitcher every year. The reason that they win all the time is because they've got, you know, eight kids, you know, that are all great players that they were able to assemble on one team. When we start to see... And there can be success in that, but... Well, winning is one thing, but the one thing that would be beautiful to see is if we could get a team like that together with that kind of talent that was also still coaching and training. Sure. But... Unfortunately, what seems to be happening with a lot of the more talented players is they think they're about as good as they need to be. So they and their parents want to have people spending all their time telling them how great they are instead of telling them the things they could do to get greater. 
And that's the end, again the part end game, of, right? Yeah. And so that's you know when we talk about the development project that we're talking about today, everybody's attitude's got to change about it. So instead of worrying about how much you're going to win, you know, start to measure your successes in the growth and development of the players grow. you're, you're yeah. coaching. Start to measure the satisfaction that you get from coaching in the small victories when Sally finally catches a pop up, or she actually can throw the ball across the infield or whatever it is. Turn a double play. Yeah, you know, the whatever those things are that, you know, depending upon the level of our team, show that we're getting better. So my complaint for a very long time has been there's way too many teams that never get better. They are really good, they're really successful, but they're really successful because they have really good individual players, not because they're doing anything to help those individual players improve or to make their team more cohesive in the long run. Let's keep working them. All right, so development, it's got to be our, become job one. So that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. It's sponsored by Pinnacle Power Products. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com. And they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And again, make sure you use that EFP10 discount. It's going to save you that additional 10%. Help support the podcast at the same time on a product that's going to give your kids a boost at the ball field for sure. So Don had a a question from Andy. Andy's daughter is a first-year 12-and-under player. And according to his email, she loves the game of softball more than she loves anything else on the planet. She probably would choose softball over breathing. I love it. And that's a great thing. But now here's where I think Andy and his daughter's love of the game need to be tamped down, dampened just a little bit. Andy wants her to play on two different travel ball teams this year. He's mm-hmm. found a way that mm-hmm. he thinks that he can do it, that they can manage it, um, that the schedules line up, that there are very few conflicts where the teams are playing at the same time. And so he's got a, a master plan where she could basically be playing on two different teams, but be playing absolutely every weekend of the year. And He's already committed to doing it, so he's not really looking for us to tell him why he should or shouldn't, but I wanted us to use his situation as a talking point, because I think we're looking at a potential train wreck on the horizon. I'm thinking that, uh, at least at first look, I'm seeing more drawbacks than than positives, and Anytime that I that I look at a young player, and you can see in their eyes the excitement, the the hunger, the the fire to to want to get better and to do all that stuff, and to me that's amazing. So I'm excited that they're you know that they have that, you know. But then I also see and watch sometimes when we push too much, how the burnout factor jumps in there, and when we do too much, and eventually it's going to come to a point I think where we got to do this again. Right. You know, kind of thing might, might come about and it might not happen in this season. So this season might be fine if that's what they're, they choose to do. That might be part of the process for them to figure out what too much is. Right. So that might be okay for them. But I think that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of negatives in that from overtraining to overuse. Don't know what position she plays, but 
there could be a lot of a lot of factors in that and then you know if we do have with rain and rescheduling and right. different things like that there's going to come a time when they have to pick one or the other and at that point we are going to be letting down a group of kids and a group of coaches and parents and families when we're not able to do two things at once right so even though on the calendar it maps out to be a very neat tidy little schedule i think that there are going to come times when rescheduling and weather issues and stuff like that leaves one group a little bit disappointed. Yeah. So. Well, to me, the, the biggest challenge, I guess, is the coordination part of it. So if they've mapped it out where you think that the schedules are going to match up, you know, to me, the first thought I had was, well, just because the playing schedules match up, what about practices? What about team events? What about, you know, team cookouts? What about, you know, fundraising? What about other stuff? that I'm sure is part of the weekends that each team isn't playing, right? So if you're, if you're playing, let's say, two t- tournaments a month, you're probably practicing the other two weekends of the month. Well, if certain players or a player never shows up for practice because everybody else knows that she's playing on a different team, what is that doing for our team cohesiveness and everything else? Thinking, well, she doesn't have to come to practice. She's so cool. Great she's thought. so good yeah. that she doesn't have to practice with us, or she's too cool to come and hang out when we go go to the lake or you know have a team cookout or somebody has a birthday party or whatever Movie it is. Night. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's an awful lot of things out there that I think could potentially be problematic. And so, to me, I think finding the balance between passion for the game and feeding that passion. And supporting that passion with also keeping in mind that there is a line of no return, a point of where too much is too much. And I think that they're going to find out very quickly that they've jumped into a a place where they're going to feel that very, very quickly. You know, I, I, I like what you're saying about all the extra stuff too. I was just thinking about the on the field things and tournament things, but there's a lot to be considered there as well for the other off the field events. Looking at it and talking about it right now, if we are in a situation where what one team is not fulfilling our amount of games and tournaments and things like that, there's always a chance to pick up with another team. We don't have any of the other team events going on. Yeah, let's go play another you know four games this weekend because we didn't get enough you know through our one team. But I'm excited for their ambitious approach. Yeah, for sure. I think that's super exciting and. I guess maybe we'll find out. They will find out for sure how, you know, how that's going to play out and if there are other pitfalls, but you know, I'm excited for their ambitious approach, but right. uh, I think you're right. I think we're going to have some some setbacks somewhere in there. Right. Well, and the the ambitious approach that you mentioned, I think is is really the thing that is fueling this. And and ambition and and enthusiasm and all those are really beautiful things. But the thing that I think that Andy is missing and his daughter is missing is at this age, of course, the fun of softball is playing in games. So the idea of adding more fun of playing in games seems like a really good idea. But the bad part is that if we're spending all our time playing games and we're never going to team practices or very rarely going to team practices, there's an awful lot that we're missing out on that comes back to our development discussion just a few minutes ago. And our team development situation. So if uh, his daughter's the shortstop and she's never at practice, how are we doing cutoffs and relays and rundowns? Pop-up communication. Yeah. Am I going to run into somebody because I don't know? Yeah, if, if yeah. she if she's the catcher, 
I mean, if she's, you know, the center fielder, if she's, if she's the pitcher, right? I mean, there's just so many places where her spreading herself so thin between two different teams could potentially be a problem. And my biggest concern right now is overuse. I'm on the, we have got to get control of what's going on bandwagon right now, because I've got a whole bunch of kids that I'm training. They're all out with overuse injuries. You know, to have a kid that's 14, 15 years old looking at having torn labrum and not from sliding or diving or, or a car accident, but just because she's thrown so many pitches that her arm has fallen apart. You know, to have other kids with those kinds of injuries right now constantly in Need and out do of the... a segment on that here. Yeah, we are just headed for a really dangerous position. And, and, you know, one of the things we could do another podcast just about the problems with the way the Georgia schedule falls for kids training and practicing and playing too much. But so right now I'm, I'm already thinking that a lot of kids are practicing, playing and training too much. And then we have somebody that wants to look for a way to plan, you know, (laughs) coming up with a plan to do more good and bad. Right. And so again, I'm, I'm uh, happy for their enthusiasm and, and all that stuff. But I think that, you know, sometimes we have to tamp that down just a little bit, temper that a little bit and make sure that we're thinking about the bigger picture. And being really enthusiastic about playing two tournaments a week for the whole summer sounds like a lot more fun to me than being really excited for the first month of the summer because you're going to play every weekend. And then all of a sudden it's July 1st, you know, like hating softball because all we do is go to the ballpark all the time. Yeah. No. And again, we don't know kind of because we haven't done it yet, but we'll see how this one plays out. Yeah, for sure. So Andy, thank you very much. Your t-shirt's on the way. So Don, our Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week want us to talk about this idea. If you had a nickel for every time you heard somebody say, trust the process, do you think you'd be retired? Is that like a movie thing almost? It's kind of, but it's it's one of those things that I hear it all the time. And here's the reason why I want us to talk about it. So if we're going to trust the process, that you shouldn't be judging just the results, right? You shouldn't be you know, basing whether or not a, a where, player where is growing today. or learning or, or improving based on if you go three for three one game and then you go over three the next game, does that mean that you were a great hitter and then you're a terrible hitter? You know, all that roller coaster stuff. Does that just trust me? But the trust the process thing kind of comes back to this idea of we have to learn as we're developing. We have to keep, you know, growing and learning and gaining information. Well, to me, here's where this is worth discussing. Part of the process in our game has to be failure. It has to be making a mistake because the game is so loaded with places where that's going to happen that if we're going to trust the process that we have to and expect to see our players making mistakes, in some cases making several mistakes or a bunch of mistakes while they're learning, the process of learning means making some mistakes, having some challenges, having to overcome some things. And here's the reason why I want us to talk about it. If I see one more person freak out because their kid made an error or had a strikeout or walked one hitter and then tries to turn around and talk about trusting the process and we're in it for the long haul and she's going to keep getting better. Well, if we want her to keep getting better, then we have to embrace the mistakes, embrace the failures when they happen and understand that that's part of the process. Part of the process is overcoming those failures and learning from them and becoming a better player because of them. And so I think, you know, the whole idea of the process and learning as we go and and becoming a better player over time 
if we're going to continue to freak out over every little mistake and every little error that gets made, I think we're really short-circuiting our players' confidence that they're going to have the opportunity to really learn. No, I think that's uh, that's an interesting thought for sure, Tori. And again, every week we have this. The parents are unsatisfied with their performances or all we want to talk about is the failure part of right. it. And it just seems like a, a very negative environment for a lot of the kids. On the flip side, it's like, well, if I don't make them aware of all these negative things and they're going to get slack or lazy on me. Right. They're going to be complacent with it. It's it's okay to fail and I don't want for them to feel like it's okay to fail. Well, and helping them understand how to measure what failure really is. You know, right. To me, that's the... Or if this is part of the process. Right. And I or, think that's part of this discussion because too many kids... Well, I, I told this story a while back. I have one girl that uh, is in college now that came to me at a lesson she was so frustrated and so disappointed and had, and had been fighting with mom and dad both like since the weekend because she was going to lose her spot in the lineup or she was going to drop down in the order because she only hit, you know, 280 this last tournament. And on their team, hitting 280 means that you're unacceptable. You know, unacceptable. Yeah. You're on the bottom of the lineup. And, you know, she doesn't get it together and start getting more hits that that's it. Her career's done. She's never playing in college, yada, yada, yada. It was just going on and on and on sat down and of course mom was at her lesson with her and we kind of talked through it so okay so you had a tough weekend i said yeah i only hit 280 and i'm really you know nervous i got i got to get it together i got to start hitting the ball I'm like well so tell me about your weekend well my first game i was one for three the girl climbed over the fence and hauled my, one of my home run balls back in and robbed me and then the center fielder made this like laid out diving catch on a ball i scorched in the gap so you hit three we, balls really hard, we, didn't you? We were two feet away from being three for yeah, three. So you hit, yeah. you hit all three balls really hard. Yeah, no, I, I, I hit the ball really well. Okay, tell me about the second game. Well, I hit a one hopper to the shortstop that she dove in the five, six hole, and they got a force out because we had runners on first and second. So, you know, so I got a fielder's choice. And then the next one, you know, I, I hit a ball like 400 miles an hour, but it was right at the second baseman and she jumped and she caught it. And then the third one, I hit a double in the gap. So you hit all three balls really hard, didn't you? Well, yeah, like as you said before, she's like six inches away from being three for three. You know, at the end of the discussion, you know, she had her 15 at bats, she had her two hits or three hits or whatever it was, but she didn't make a quiet out. Every single at bat, she, you know, did her job, hit the ball hard. But you got to change something. Right. Yeah. But but everybody's in a panic. Well, you you have to start hitting. And like, well, you know, and I, and I looked at mom and said, if, if there's something you think I can do to fix this, and we're not talking about, you know, something that a human being can fix. We need like, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, magic powers, higher power or something like that to intervene, to make that ball go three inches further to the left because she's doing everything she can. And there's, you know, nothing I'm going to tell her to change because everything she's doing is setting her up for success for the long haul. Well, if she doesn't start getting more hits, she's going to be on the bench. Well, but that panic and that mindset's right. going to so, change so, things, all right, yeah, but not so, for the better. Yeah. So you think yeah. that's really going to help her? You know, get that ball to go a half a mile an hour faster, or fly, you know, two feet further, so the center fielder can't jump over the fence and and steal it. I mean, you know, trusting the process has to mean that everybody's on board with knowing that we're going to make some mistakes, we're going to have some bumps in the road, but our whole measuring stick now has to be what are we doing with that information? What are we doing with those challenges? And if we're doing the right things, working hard trying to you know continue to grow as a player the process is working if 
We're going to use that as a catchphrase, but then not live it, not follow it, not do what it really means when how we're interacting with our players. We're going to be in for big, big trouble. And coaches were really guilty of this. Making out your lineup based on the batting averages is a, is a perfect example. Tori, I think there's a huge difference too between that 300 hitter that is doing everything that they're supposed to be doing that are training during the week, that are getting the reps, that are doing all the things that are necessary to be a good hitter, and then having a 300 weekend and somebody that's being slacked through the week, not preparing, not doing the extra training and things like that. There's a big difference between those two 300 hitters. Right. And the environment that we put, the one that's training and doing all that stuff, the environment that we put them in is a huge piece of, you know, what's going to happen going forward. And if we can give them a chance to to focus on the good things like you're talking about, then that 300 weekend is going to turn into a 600 weekend. But the other scenario where somebody's fearful that they might not get to play next weekend and they're not doing anything through the week, then that's a whole different scenario and they need a whole different talking to or approach or whatever try and get them back on on track to where they're going to be doing better because you can't you're going to get out of it what you put into it again a lot of times we kind of get mixed messaged and we got to be realistic about our evaluation right well and, to and me hopefully the coaches kind of set that tone right well that's why we're talking about we want to make sure that the yeah. coaches are setting that tone right you know, we can't be giving uh, pep talks about trusting the process and that and understanding what the process really entails if we're Having players so afraid of making a mistake that they're not learning anything, we're, we're setting ourselves up for an awful lot of trouble. So, so Don, that's going to wrap up number 289. Make sure that you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company, Bidinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Products, and of course, Action Coach. If you're in a position where you can, please become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch, which Don and I really do appreciate the support. Make sure that you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs there. You also have access to the YouTube channel and the blog post. There's a ton of information. You have access to a lot to help you with your coaching and playing career. So for uh, Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.